0: listening to the rainmaking podcast hosted by high stakes headhunter author and professional speaker Scott Love This is the rainmaking podcast and my name is Scott Love thanks for joining me on the show our guest today is Laura Leppard. Now, Laura is the founder of Leopard Solutions, which provides the world's largest and most accurate law firm database for legal recruiters, attorneys, law firms, corporations, and law schools. Now, our topic today is the crisis of women leaving law. So if you're not in the legal industry, this might not be the most beneficial program for you to listen to. Make sure you check out some of the other ones because it's gonna be very specific in terms of the data related to this interesting, an important situation. Make sure you check out the show notes so that you can connect with Laura, also learn more about Leopard Solutions, and you can even download the report that she references in her interview. Now, this show is also sponsored by Leopard Solutions, Legal Intelligence Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. Thanks for listening, and I hope you get some great insights from my discussion with Laura today. Hey, this is Scott Love with The Rainmaking Podcast. I've got a special guest and a friend of mine on the show, Laura Leppard. And today we're talking about the crisis of women in law. Laura, thanks for joining me on the show today.
1: Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me again.
0: And also to our listeners, Leopard Solutions is a sponsor of this podcast. So I'm really proud of that relationship. And thank you for that, Laura. And I know that you've got a lot of value that really helps the legal world in, in multiple ways. And so tell me more about this topic title. We're talking about the crisis of women in law. What does that mean exactly? And then we'll kind of unpack that as we talk a little bit here.
1: Well, I think we all know that women have struggled to make it you know, to that partner level an equal level as men. But we discovered something interesting at the end of 2021 when we did our year in roundup to start looking at numbers and see what happened. We compared numbers between attorneys who were ethnically diverse that were leaving big law mm-hmm. against women. And there was a big difference. There was about a 7% difference, hmm. more, uh, more women leaving big law than those people who were ethnically diverse. We started looking a bit more, and there were a lot of women that sat in what we said a, an unknown sort of category. After they left big law, we weren't sure where they went. They didn't reenter big law. They didn't re-enter one of the 4,000 law firms that we cover, and they didn't go to one of the 8,000 in-house companies that we cover. We just didn't know where they went. So we decided, let's go find out. So we started a research project to see if we could determine where those women went. And we also wanted to look at the difference between men and women leaving big law and again the difference wasn't quite as big it was about a four percent difference and everyone sort of assumed that women were leaving big law during the pandemic time because of childcare reasons or right. you know health reasons that there was something like that and and that would stop eventually and I just said let's find out I'm not gonna postulate that that was the reason why they left so we did a survey so So we did additional research to find out where they went, and then we also put a survey out that was that was answered by almost 200 women about why they left big law, and the answers were really surprising. First of all, that notion that they left due to childcare concerns was sort Mm -hmm. of blown out of the water by the survey.
0: Interesting. Uh, Wow. There
1: was a good number that uh, did not have children at all, so it was not a concern at all. The women that did have children, it was sort of normal childcare burdens that they had overall, maybe exacerbated a little by the pandemic, but they still said that was not the reason why they left. So the number one reason why they left was they weren't feeling supported in their workplace. Wow. They felt a lack of opportunity in their workplace. They also wanted more, you know, flex time abilities and not just working from home, but really sort of a flex time arrangement. Mm -hmm. So it really sort of went back to a lot of the same reasons that women have always left big law in mid-career, and a lot of it has to do with bias, whether it be unconscious bias or overt bias. When it comes down to opportunities being given to people at the firm, women felt left out. They didn't feel supported in their job, so they went somewhere else to find that, And that is should be really concerning to to law firms. And here's a very practical reason why they should be concerned. Right. The last three years, law firms, big law, has been hiring more women than men out of law school. So for the last three years, you have seen more women in college, you've seen more women in law school than men, and the hiring rate of women. Uh, coming out of law schools, has been growing year over year above their male counterparts. So what's going to happen if women continue to leave the law mid-career? You know, you're going to have a big hole there. Mm -hmm. And while, if you look at big law right now, you see parity in hiring between women and men on the associate level. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, women are starting to take slightly, you know, a higher percentage than men at the associate level. Yet on the partner level, it's still far lower. It's still about 27% overall. You know, in the grand scheme of things, you look at it and you say, well, 27%, well, that's not horrible. But if you look at it on a firm-by-firm-by-firm-by-firm by firm by firm by firm basis, some firms are 16%, some <laughs> firms are 12%.
0: And let me ask and you, the percentage...
1: Some have a lot more women in partnerships.
0: So. so the percentage you're talking about, because I wanted to get some clarity on this. Uh, when we look at male-to-female associates in big firms, it's usually 50-50, I think. Is that right? Yeah, and then, right. But you're talking about for partners, you said okay. it's about 27% women, the rest are men. That's uh, correct. And that's interesting because I remember when I first got into legal recruiting 2009, 2010, I think it was 15% were women. It was much lower than that. That's right. But tell me then this 27%, I know we still have a ways to go. Kind of elaborate on that when you said when you look at that, it could be different within different firms. Is that right?
1: sure because anytime you look at an average you have firms with really high numbers and you have firms with really low numbers and then that average comes you know somewhere in the middle so you have some firms that have great numbers for women partnership. And then you have some firms that have pretty bad numbers for women partnership. I do hope that women start to pay attention to that when they are interviewing at firms and talking with firms. They want to make sure that they're going to go somewhere where they're going to feel that support, where they're going to feel like people take an interest in their career. And that should begin to make a difference when women are moving laterally. But again. There's another problem there because uh, firms hire more male laterals than they do female laterals. And that's on the associate level where there's general parity, right? 50 to 50. They still hire more male laterals than they do women. And of course the numbers are even worse when you get to lateral partner hires. Right. So there's a lot of things that you that firms can do in order to make a difference at their firm. I mean, Scott, when we did this survey, the results that came back were so depressing. (laughs) It really took us a while to try to figure out how we were going to handle this data. We also asked women to leave comments, you know, things that they wanted to talk about in depth. The comments were shocking. We really thought we had come a bit further in this male-female, you know, world than what their comments let us know. You know, the microaggressions they felt at work, being shut out of certain opportunities, or working with some specific partners, was really surprising to me. Wow. I, I guess it shouldn't have been, but it really was. So,
0: tell me this then: when you talk about they weren't feeling supported in the workplace. What does that mean exactly? Because that could mean 10 different things to 10 different people. But what do you think the overall sense of that is?
1: Well, for the ones that uh, gave us sort of a written answer along with sort of ranking why they left, a lot of that feeling supported was sort of talking about lack of mentorship, lack of guidance, And some of that lack of opportunity also was folded in there. And there's a number of reasons why women don't feel supported in the workplace. And when we talked to them, they really gave us some concrete examples of, of why they didn't feel supported, whether they didn't feel they could offer an idea during a meeting or they did and they were talked over by some man who then you know brought up their same idea 10 minutes later or there was really no one that they could go to and ask questions you know some firms have mentorship programs that are more they're more for show than they are for help. If you have someone that checks in on you twice a year, that's not going to really be an effective mentorship program. If there is no strategy behind it and no real guidelines for how it's going to work and what's expected, then it's really not going to be a meaningful mentorship. They would really like that. You know, who else would really like mentorship at the firm? And that's those ethnically diverse attorneys who really need help. You know, who else needs it besides those two specific groups? Every single associate that works at a law firm needs a mentor that can tell them very important things that will help them succeed in their career. Yeah. I've talked to firms that do sort of a sponsorship strategy firms that do a mentorship program and we talked to some really great women in law firms that's what we did to get over our depression about the survey right, We went right. looking for successful women partners at law firms and say how did you do it what is your firm doing to help women mm. and we got some really great ideas you know when i talked about letting women speak you know in a meeting linda bennett told us a great story about what they do over at Lowenstein. They use the amplification strategy. So if some woman is being you know overtaken by a man in conversation. They'll make sure that she has the space to express her thought. If a man sometimes steals an idea that a woman puts out there and no one pays attention to, they'll also pay attention to that and say something like, Yes, Bob, that's a really great idea. I thought so when Cheryl brought it up a few minutes ago, but thank you for bringing it back into the conversation. So they sit in a meeting and they make sure that. Other women at the table are being heard. It was something that uh, the women did in the Obama administration. And I, I just think it's brilliant that they're doing it at, at Lowenstein. And the assignment of opportunities, you know, giving women opportunities really important. And that's uh, something that over at Baker Donaldson, you know, Christy tosh Kreider has made sure that women are getting exposure to clients, which is very important. Over at Lowenstein, they've got a great centralized database where they can look and see who's getting opportunities and who's not, so they can, you know, even the score a little bit, who hasn't been able to work with this really great partner will make sure they get in the door. And that's for women, that's for diverse candidates and for all the associates at the firm. And both of those things are really great things to do. Putting women in roles of leadership, giving them that seat at the table, giving them a voice in the room is really important. Number one, it's a great signal to other women at the firm that yes, you can be promoted. Yes, there is a path for women. But also having someone at the top that can understand the struggles that women go through can help the firm make decisions that's really gonna be helpful to those women. Instead of an all-male leader trying to make a decision they think is going to help, getting that opinion of women to help make those decisions is really important.
0: That's great, Laura. What do you think was the most surprising aspect of the survey? What was something that was totally unexpected that you saw within your research?
1: The fact that there is still so much sexism both overt and that unconscious bias that that's still really rife at the firm and there were lots of comments from women saying oh yeah the old boys network is alive and well my firm we really can't get you know a foot in the door yeah being uh called young lady uh little lady getting that little hat on the on the shoulder all those things still go on which is really surprising in a law firm or they yeah. should be able to realize that that kind of behavior <laughs> they really shouldn't be you know, going on in the workplace, but it's still there. And to me, that was really surprising.
0: Really. Yeah. And that's interesting from my perspective of being a non-ex-lawyer coming into this industry a long time ago, I used to see that a law firm is nothing more than a collective of peers held together only by conditional promises to each other people can leave and they can take their book with them and it's not the money that's going to make them stay it's the leadership and that's what i look for in firms that i'm going to recruit for which firms have the leadership and oh. do they really take diversity and these initiatives seriously and i remember one firm they gave me a 1 hour meeting with their chief diversity officer who reports directly to the chair of the firm and she gave me very specific anecdotes and examples of on a very granular level of what they actually do to tip the scales and to make it in that appropriate way. What do you think are some common trends or things that are encouraging from the surveys or anything encouraging that you saw from this survey?
1: Oh, all the great women that I talked to, all of them were uh, very involved with different women's initiatives at the firm. Christy Toshprider over at Baker Donaldson heads that initiative there. And, and they actually had a two-track mentorship. They have a mentorship program that everybody in the firm participates in, but they have a second one that's really just for women at the firm. They also have a great road to equity partnership program for women that really takes them by the hand and shows them what's going to be expected, what they need to do in order to make equity partnership. We also have women that are fighting for more flex time at law firms, and I've heard you know great stories about that that. There's a a great flex time experience. We were told about over at Gibson Dunn with Molly Singer. She was going to quit the firm and she was thinking of either have to quit or I have to go down to part-time. And she went to her, you know, her department head or partner and said, I really, I'm going to have to go part-time or, you know, I, I may have to leave the firm. And he said, Molly, I would rather have you 50% of the time than most of those associates out there 100% of the time. So let's do this. And you know what? She made partner while on flex time.
0: Oh, that's and fantastic.
1: someone else made partner on flex time there this year. All of these things are possible, Scott. And if, and if you want to see all of our 11 things that law firms can do, you can visit our website. I'm sure there'll be a link here that they can follow to get this white paper. Right.
0: Yeah, we'll put and that on the show notes.
1: You'll get a lot of the uh, interviews. You'll get all 11 items that you can do. But the really great thing is that there there are women out there helping a lot of these things happen at firms today. That's great. As we may be at 27% now, that number will go up. It is nice to know that it changed since when you first got into recruiting. But it's t- it's been a long road, right? It's right. been a long road right. to get up there. And there's still a ways to go.
0: And so how can men be advocates, be people that empower women and even other disadvantaged people, like uh, minorities, people like that. Is there anything that people like me, you know, white men can do to support these people?
1: Of course, of course. Getting the, the male buy-in at a law firm is, is really important. You know, when women take maternity leave, you know what would be great? If men took paternity leave and not just a week they took yeah. the whole leave because if they participate in that program it destigmatizes women taking That's
0: attention. interesting. I never thought of it like that before. Yeah. So that
1: That is something that they can do. Male partnership, taking paternity leave or taking flex time, especially if they have a a sick parent or or a sick child, signals to everybody else that it's okay to do that. But the one thing that men can do that would be fantastic is when they see sexism at work, they call it out in the moment at the time, and they say, you know what, John, we don't talk that way here. You know what, John, we really don't appreciate that here. Let's just keep that in mind moving forward. Calling out that behavior is incredibly important. Listen, we've all heard the stories of, you know, a rainmaker that throws his stapler across the room and yells at everybody, and everybody puts up with him because he's the rainmaker at the firm, right? Because everyone's too afraid anything. So that behavior just continues. Well, if you don't stop sexism in the office place by calling it out and being aware of it, it will just continue. And getting men to call it out is incredibly important. Now, these young people coming in, these Gen Zs that you're hiring are going to do that. They're going to call it out and they're going to be very disappointed if leadership and the partnership at the firm doesn't do the same thing. That's
0: right. That's right. Absolutely right, Laura. So let me ask you this. If we could kind of look at maybe not all 11 recommendations that you have, what would be three action steps firms and firm leaders can do and anybody working in a firm can do to kind of tip the balance appropriately?
1: Well, I think one thing that firms could do is really to look at how they promote people at their firm and really look for fairness in promotions. The way that they think about women Really, they have to take a magnifying glass to it. Not every right. woman, you can't put them on a mommy track, right? You can't yeah. discount them thinking they won't be around in order to be a partner, that kind of thing. And they have to be evaluated in the same way. I mean, there have been studies done that have shown that men get promoted on their potential and women get promoted on their work product. Very different there, right? So be aware of how you're evaluating. Get some women on your partnership committee and also be aware of your numbers. Know your own numbers. If you only have 10% of your partnership as women, you should look at why that is, why that is. Are you driving people away before they can be made partner? Or are you just not considering them at all? So that is a real big one, that fairness and promotion. Looking at hiring more women laterals, a lot of women, well, the the numbers for women laterals are far lower over at uh, Baker Donaldson when they hired a new lateral recruitment attorney to run that department. She just went right in that office, Christy Tosh-Kreider went right in and said, okay, let's talk about how we can hire more women laterals. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to put it out there. You just got to say, hey, you know what? We really need to look about increasing our numbers of women. And we can do that really easily with women laterals, especially in that mid-career phase there because that's where a lot of these women are dropping out and when we looked at the ages of the women that left big law there was a pretty big number that were in a younger group 25 to 30 well Mm -hmm. a lot of Then just went just went right back into another top two hundred firm. It was that next group, thirty five to forty, that Mm -hmm. dropped out of big law and that did not return. So that's where they're going to end up with an issue if they're not careful. And please, please, please focus on mentoring. Mentoring can make such a huge difference. I was talking with a a group of uh, women attorneys and we were talking about mentoring and they said, you know, our our firm is always, firms have this idea of let's, let's hire all these people and sink or swim. You either make it or you don't. Why don't you want everybody to swim? Yeah. You spend a lot of time and effort identifying who you want to come to your firm. Why not? help them all swim don't leave 20 people in the deep end with their hands in the air you know looking for help and not getting anything it's really to your advantage <laughs> to make sure that they succeed when you look at some of our reports and the ROI reports and what you know poor retention does to a firm's bottom line
0: yeah that's right you know, that's right absolutely
1: I keep hoping if they see those numbers, it's going to ring some alarm bells and help them wake up. Having a mentorship program is one of the easiest ways to really boost retention at your firm. Those people begin to feel supported. They begin to feel part of a team and you're teaching them what they can do to be successful. Don't have your associates wake up after they've been at the firm for seven years and say, oh, I'm supposed to be developing a business, <laughs> what? How,
0: is, right, right. how am
1: I supposed to do that?
0: I've seen that happen.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because they're working hard. They're doing good work. They think they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do because no one told them that they need to start building you know, client relationships so they can eventually have a book of business of their own. And all of that can be done within that mentorship program. So those are some really big things that I think firms could do to make a big difference of big yeah with retaining and attracting women to their firms.
0: Well, Laura, I can't wait to read this special report. Like I mentioned, we're going to put that link on the show notes here. So those of you that are listening, you can go to the show notes, you can get that report. You can also check out Laura's profile. And then we'll also put a link to Leopard Solutions. It's a data product for the legal industry that focuses on artificial intelligence. I've been using it for years. I've been very pleased with it. And I'd highly recommend that if you're in the legal industry, make sure you check that out. That tool helps in terms of recruiting, business development, and diversity, pretty much all the major initiatives. Their company, Leopard Solutions, is at the epicenter of within the legal industry. Laura, thank you for being a guest here on the show. We'll have you back in the future. Thank you again for sponsoring the Rainmaking Podcast. And as always, it was a pleasure speaking with you, Laura.
1: Oh, pleasure speaking with you, Scott. I hope to see you at our big office opening party on September 22nd.
0: Sounds great. Thank you, Laura. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.